Warning, this podcast contains adult content intended for listeners over the age of 18. This may include swearing, sex, crime, and violence. Listener discretion is advised. Hello out there, you dirty little girls and boys, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Witches and Switches, a smutty book review podcast, hosted by Mommy Zombie and yours truly, Moon Magic Mama. Join us weekly as we delve into the little-known genre of erotic paranormal romance. We're talking penny-dropping werewolves, vampires who suck more than blood, and demons who will have you saying, yes, daddy. If they're hot and non-human, we've read it, and we can't wait to share our thoughts with you. So pop on some headphones, grab an ice-cold beverage, and get ready, because it's going to get spicy up in here. Hi! Hi! How are you? I'm hanging in there. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. Excited to talk about today's book. It's like super filthy. I agree. Today, we're going to talk about A Lady of Rooksgrave Manor. It's by Catherine Moon published in 2021. It's kind of a heftier book at 405 pages. No super triggering content, I would say. It does deal with sex workers. There is a reverse harem relationship going on so that one female with multiple men. It's like the czars and emperors in the olden times had a harem of women. It's just reverse that. This lady has just a whole bunch of gorgeous dudes at her beck and call. And this one, we're dealing with monsters. That's a different area than we've gone. We've been just alienating it. Do you want to just jump into the summary? Absolutely. Okay. We start off our story. We're introduced to Esther Reed. She's a young maid in her 20s in the Victorian era. I was super excited to find that because I'm sure you know this about me. I'm a big weirdo and super obsessed with the Victorian era. Honestly, if you're not obsessed with the Victorian era, I think there might be something wrong with you. Right? Like, I just want to have a smock and petticoat and a wonderfully embellished corset and stroll through the moors. Yeah, I definitely like the velvet cush Oh, yes, absolutely. And the whole energy of the era. Gorgeous. So yes, I was very excited to see that this book was set in Victorian times. With the Victorian times, when we enter the story, it talks about the curing of hysteria in women of that time. Yes, that is one of my favorite little historical quirks. I love medical history. So getting to sneak a peek at Esther, she and her fellow maid are in the hallway And the doctor, Dr. Underwood, is there treating the lady of the house, Mrs. Pickering, for female hysteria. Female hysteria was basically just a diagnosis for any behaviors or symptoms that women had or were exhibiting that was inconvenient for a man. It could be anything from crying, being overly emotional, sometimes having too much sex drive, not enough sex drive. All of these problems, the myriad of them, boiled down to female hysteria, which was a thought that all of these irrational emotions and symptoms were caused by the migration of the uterus inside the body. So the uterus was just fucking balling out and would take off and <laughs> bump into shit and be like, oh, now this bitch gonna be crazy this one. So that's, that's what oh. these, you know, old timey doctors thought. So how do we treat this wandering womb? Well, vibrators. Miss Pickering is getting treated for her poor hysteria. Sometimes the cocaine just didn't cut it and you got to take the vibrator to it. Right. Our good doctor is kind of aware of Esther noticing what he was doing with the contraption that he brought in. Oh, yeah. She had her hands up her skirts in the hallway listening. Doctor comes out and sees it and he's like, hmm. He was a little more than hmm. He was definitely like, oh, yeah. I yeah. know what I'm using <laughs> Yes. So that's our little epilogue, just this introduction to Esther and her horny little self. And then we jump a little farther into time. She's still working for the Pickerings. And unfortunately, their financial situation isn't doing so hot. So they're having to let go of all their staff. And Esther is not the greatest of maids. No, she has uh, other talents. She she does indeed. Um, So the doctor <laughs> comes to visit yeah. her and he propositions her, right? He offers to meet her later at his practice, and she's thinking, hey, I really hope that this isn't just sex. It's maybe a job opportunity. Right. So he tells her to just meet him at his office, and all of her questions will be answered. 
little Esther shows up unaccompanied to the doctor's office. Very, very risque during the time. Definitely stranger danger. Not safe at all. <laughs> yeah, she she's going there to, to meet the doctor and he decides that he's going to give her a demonstration of the hysteria cure. Yes. Was it the same machine though? I don't remember it being the same machine. I'm not sure. It's definitely some sort of vibrating machine. Right. Let me see here. Our, our doctor in this story tends to be more interested in the experimentation of making these machines. So there are a couple throughout the story. Yes, this is um one of the first ones. And it's some sort of wand with a bulbous rubber part on the end. And that's so the part that he's like. Uh, Hitachi magic wand. Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm picturing is, is like a very rudimentary the Tachi wand. It totally rocks Esther's world. She's b- about it and loving it, begging the doctor for some dick. And he tells her, okay, but don't look at me. Not suspicious at all. Right. And she kind of, I guess you could say, has some experience and she's a little confused as to why. Oh yeah. Esther is not inexperienced when it comes to right. me. When she is having sex with the doctor, she's a little surprised by how girthy he feels. And he didn't start out feeling that way. Like, right. he, he's he like, just wow, thought, you really are a grower. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. Eventually, we come to find out that the good doctor has transformed into somebody named Mr. Tanner. So we kind of wow. get this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde vibe from the doctor right. in this story. After their um, fantastic romp, the doctor offers Esther a position at a manor for Lady. Right. She jumps right at it, though. Oh, she does. She's like, what? I get to have sex and make money for it? Sign me up. Yeah. With an appetite such as hers, I wouldn't doubt that that's the perfect profession for her. Absolutely. And as, as far as Esther's appetite goes, I would say she's definitely bordering on nympho. I, I think she's an info. I would say she's an info. Yes. And as we go through the story, we see her realizing that sex doesn't fulfill all of her emotional needs and that the relationships she develops with her gentlemen are more fulfilling than just the sex itself. Although she is happy to oblige at any instance. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. She says that she wakes up just as wet as a man does hard. Hey, to each their own. <laughs> right? Um, I need a little bit of romancing first, you know? You got to get that shit worked up. Right? But I guess that's what these books are for, to do the job for them. Yes. Smut sluts unite. Seriously. So let's see. Esther shows up at the manor. It's like this giant Victorian mansion. It's set out away from this tiny little village. And she pulls up and she meets Madame Mortimer, the, the madam of the house, obviously. And they go under the guise of it being a finishing school for women. Right. They're keeping it hush-hush because not That's only fine. are they the brothel, but it's a brothel for supernatural men. I believe there were some women, too. I don't know if there was at Mortimer's house, but definitely the other ones. Okay. The madam is super sweet. I loved her. I, I agree. She had a very understanding demeanor. I do believe she is a love witch. So she is. specializes in pairing people. Being a witch, she has more connections to otherworldly creatures. Mm-hmm. It helps that she's able to find human mistresses for these men because they struggle finding their own. Right. A lot of them are... Well, not the prettiest. We've got some demons. We've got Mr. Tanner, who I, I'm seeing like a Hulk kind of thing in Mr. Tanner. Yeah, like Hulk with like a underbite kind of. Yeah, that, that's a really good description. Like but it's like super fucking hung. Yeah, like imagine like a horse possibly. <laughs> oh, definitely. So Esther arrives at the manor and she gets all settled in, gets ready for bed. She's told that she has to stay to her room so she doesn't make the other ladies uncomfortable or Right. Right, because she doesn't have a gentleman of her own yet. They're on their way. Yes. So she goes to bed super frustrated because she's left out of all the party and sex and the good times. Needless to say, poor Esther did not get a restful night's sleep. She got to witness a lady and her gentleman werewolf have a fantastic little romp right outside her window. The next morning, she's filling off. She decides to go and take a little walk by the lake, assess her situation a bit, 
Unfortunately, she ends up dozing off and ends up having a vision-like dream where Amon, the Sphinx, comes to her and introduces himself. And then she meets him in a dream because he is a Sphinx, so he has like the manipulation powers to kind of influence dreams and other cool stuff that you find out throughout the book. Right. He's awoken by a common villager from the town across the way. She's a little skeeved out by him, so mm-hmm. she goes back to Rome. And then she's informed that she has a gentleman coming to visit her in the evening. And she's like, is it Amon, the Sphinx? She's like, no. It's going to be someone else. So, and Esther's like, okay, that sounds great. Yeah. Like, she's she's like, about it. I like a variety. Mm-hmm. So she goes down to breakfast with the other girls, and they're all kind of talking to her about their gentleman. And she finds out that her new gentleman, August, is a vampire. And yeah. one of the other girls has a vampire as well. So they kind of swap some stories about that. Then um, nighttime comes around. They inform her that they do drink blood and it is a pleasure pain experience. Right. Like, uh, I think the one girl said that by the time they were, you know, all the way into their lovemaking session, she was begging to be bitten. Yeah. But I kind of have like a vampire kink myself, so I get it. Oh, tell me about it. I've been into vampires since I was just a wee dirty little girl. Yeah. I remember being like eight and being like, let me bite you. (laughs) let's talk about Buffy come on Angel is delicious but I mean I was more for Buffy herself I gotta admit Buffy was a babe I was more of a Cordy girl I I never was like huge into Buffy I was more into Charmed okay I watched that too that was all on TNT after school dude yep (laughs) or before school if you you (laughs) watch the old reruns with your grandparents like I did right so, so we finally get to meet her vampire paramour, August. He is a vampire, but also a pastry chef. Esther meets him in the kitchens down below the manor, and he makes her this just extravagant spread of pastries and fruits and chocolate. So many Very tasty things. If you think about the time era. Oh, yes. So expensive. Chocolate, vanilla, and fruit are all very exotic things, especially Mm -hmm. where they're at. I mean, they're in London. Yes, they're in London. You know, this is before, you know, you can just go to Walmart and be like, oh, let me get some vanilla extract, a pint of strawberries, and some pineapple. Yes, exactly. These are super rich foods. Esther, as just a, a maid, had never had a chance to indulge in all of these delicious treats on her own. Just bites that she snuck off of the high tables. Yeah, like scraps from, you know, the kitchen when everybody's already eaten. So she's already enthralled. She's loving this. Our vampire man feeds her all of this delicious food. Not gonna lie, a little jealous. Right? (laughs) When she is finally sated and full, they start their lovemaking session, correct? Absolutely. In the, in the kitchen or, or wherever they were, right? Yeah, just right there in the kitchen. And throughout the book, we find that it's not uncommon for anyone and everyone to just have sex wherever they want. The whole house is a just a sex place. They have orgies downstairs, just all over the place. Yes. There is no kink shaming from what I understand. No, no. And that's really refreshing, especially when you think about the Victorian era, you think high collars, stuffiness. On the underside, uh, courtesans and high-class prostitutes were definitely a thing. They were a hell of a lot kinkier than you would think they were. Yeah. Esther and August have their little romp, and he feeds from her. It is an interesting experience for her, but she definitely is into it. Yes. It heightens her, her sexual arousal. Yes. And he also chose specific foods to help, I guess, flavor her. Mm-hmm. To right, because he doesn't eat. Pineapple. Yes, yes, that old pineapple trick. I don't know, does that actually work? Yes, it does. Keep that in my, my bank for later. <laughs> anniversary. <laughs> right? And it works for men, too. Interesting. Yeah. Take down notes, friends. She meets Amon. He shows up after she has her time with August. She had the affair with Ezra. Yes, I believe that was after... Amon showed up in the middle of her romp with Ezra, the Invisible Man. Had they not been together before that? No. 
He said that he was still waiting a few days to come see her. He was looking forward to it. And then she ran into an invisible man. He thought she was hot stuff. So they just start going at it. And in the middle of going at it, her new suitor shows up at her doorstep. Yes, I remember that. But I thought for sure that she had... No, because he showed up unannounced. <gasps> You're right. Okay. I just have a heart. This was a really long book. Yeah, she, she had a, a very like spicy romp with Ezra. He was hiding out in her room. I think he is known for being a thief. Maybe he was just looking for something to steal. And he noticed her and she was like, you know what? I've never experienced this before, so let's get to it. She was imagining all kinds of naughty things. She had had a mirror to watch herself be fucked by an invisible man, to watch herself basically be completely bared and exposed. I gotta say, I love that. I was reading yeah, that and like, such a yes. detail. yeah, that was, that was definitely a spicy thing for me. I was like, mm-hmm, that sounds yeah. good. As soon as the vampire thing, that was like, okay, I'm sold. I'm definitely reading this. Yeah, it was definitely a fun read. I really did like Ezra's character. He was just this Super thief. Funky. Yes, just this Irish thief. He got cursed by a witch that was supposed to, did he, did he fuck her I over on a train? I think more of a gift than a curse. He is a thief who can never be caught. Right. Yeah. He, she, she gave him the invisibility, but it was permanent. He was yeah. just always invisible. Yeah. We don't get to really figure out what I, Ezra looks like until later on in the book. Right now, he's just some invisible dude that shows up in Esther's room and she goes, yeah, okay, let's bang. In the middle of this very spicy romp, Amon bursts in. Yes, and because Amon is like a super magical sphinx, he can actually see Ezra. So he knows that he's in her room because he's from a royal line in Egypt. They feel that he is more of a commoner. He doesn't have the status to be sleeping with Esther. Right. Well, he hadn't um, submitted his membership to the, the manor. He wasn't even supposed true. to be there. However, when she signed her contract, so to speak, she was given freedom. She's allowed to do what she wants, see who she wants, sleep with who she wants. However, to do so in the manor, you have to have a membership. Exactly. The problem isn't that she slept with Ezra. It's that he wasn't a paying customer. So Amon is just super affronted that there's this invisible man with his lady that he hasn't even gotten to meet yet. They start off on a not so great foot. A rocky point, yeah. Yeah. And it causes like a, a meeting into the mistress's office and mm -hmm. there's some reprimands. Esther feels that Ezra is more like her. So she has like kind of a soft spot for him. You know, right. he's just a, a normal person. He's had a hard life from assumption. Right. So she, she sees wants... some, some kindred spirit in him. Yes, absolutely. She wants Amon to see that, hey, you're looking down on him, but I'm no better than him. Right. You know, I was a, a, a maid in a manor not far from here. Just a maid. Nothing more. No money, no dowry, no anything. Mm -hmm. They were talking and, and she said, I'm not a queen. I don't want all of these expensive gifts. So he's like, you just want to be fucked thoroughly and well until you can no longer bring yourself for more. Yes. And she's like, uh-huh. Yep. That's what I want. It does convince the mistress to work on a membership for Ezra. Yes. Yeah, they, she starts getting it situated so that Ezra can frequent the manor. Until then, he's banished from the grounds. Correct. Which After is like, ha-ha, good luck finding an invisible man when your wards aren't working right. Yeah, and then a day, a day passes... Amon has had a chance to cool down, and then we get to see that spicy romp with Amon. He drags it out. That was very kinky. That was literal torture. Yes, he, he drags her out and edges her for just hours and hours, and it, it's she's described as just being this quivering pool of jello that's just sweating and leaking all over the place, begging for dick. Yeah, no, I don't know that I would enjoy that myself. I wouldn't either. It helped build the anticipation, familiarity with the character. So I think that it actually did build to the story. It also helped Amon to feel compensated, I guess. Right. Well, he said that he was going to punish her and then he would reward her later on. But first he had to administer her, her punishment. And 
I think he definitely did because just poor Esther was going out of her mind. It was a literal puddle. Just, I can't even Fuck imagine. Fuck me, please. Oh God, I can't, can you imagine? I, I can't. The, no, yeah. they're, they're, like she talks about how she's crying in frustration. I'm like, girl, me too. I don't know that I have ever met a man with enough restraint right. to be able to do that to a woman. For like, hours. Yeah, maybe we just have to find supernatural. We just need to get ourselves a sphinx, girl. (laughs) I don't know. I think I'm good. Well, exactly. Because, you know, this wouldn't be witches and switches if we didn't talk about weird dick. Speaking of weird dick, Mm -hmm. he has a hook on the end of his penis. And I can only imagine because he is a sphinx, it's similar to like where cats have barbed penises. Right. Kind of latch onto the inside of the vagina so they can't get away when they transfer their dick. Yeah. That is precisely what I'm picturing is just this terrible grabby hook thing that's just latching onto her vag walls. And I'm like, that. I'm sorry. I, I don't I know. Like the dolphins, how they have like a curved penis to like hook you in. Yes. If it was soft, maybe that would be like a G-spot finder. Well, and she does mention that though it is uncomfortable and unusual, once you get to the right angle, it's perfectly magical. Well, also because he's probably magicking her. Well, he probably also has a giant penis like every other guy in this book. Not Dr. Underwood. You know, she kind of says that he's not the biggest of them. But he's kind of a little freak. All right. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes, he is a little freak. After the Amon encounter, I do believe Mistress offers her another client. And this is when we run into the water demon situation. Yes, but uh, I think we should talk about Booker first. Yeah, yeah, we definitely should bring Booker up. Booker is the golem that escorted Esther to the manor and has basically just followed her around and made sure she's safe and made sure she's comfortable and she's sort of developed a kind of a crush on him. Yeah, because he's this golem and golems are typically made out of clay. And they're magically brought to life. They serve their master or mistress and do their bidding. And since Madame Mortimer is the mistress of the manor, he's supposed to be working for her, but he takes a shining to Esther and decides that she's going to be his mistress now. Yeah, I think it's due to the fact that she is so in awe of him As an individual, she's not, like, accustomed to seeing them as servants or the help. She sees him as an individual, and she wants to know what he thinks. She wants to hear his opinions. She wants to include him. That sparks something in him that makes him want to think more about himself as well and develop, like, that individual personality, which really helps bring him to life. Exactly. She's working on her friendship with Booker, and not just friendship. She wants to fuck him, too. She's very intrigued by this golem because Booker's not just a normal clay man. He's made out of marble. He's got like this cool stone exterior, but it's like fleshy underneath. And it's very intriguing, the description of Booker's, well, flesh, I guess. It definitely makes me wonder, like, he's fleshy enough to be humanoid, but still hard and heavy and just like you would imagine someone being made out of marble would be right exactly so it's it's definitely interesting yeah he's got the like deep veining that you see in marble that Mm -hmm. kind of makes him look like a really pale veiny man from far away right i'm thinking kind of um maybe gargoyle-y not yeah yeah, they do mention some gargoyle like perching and Mm -hmm. you know i kind of imagined him like the honky like gargoyles from that cartoon back in the day oh hell yeah that was my jam yeah I used to watch gargoyles all the time (laughs) yes on the free cable because we was poor kids yes (laughs) (laughs) that's how I imagine him but just kind of like like really chiseled it kind of gave me um almost uh like a rocky horror picture show kind of vibe oh yes Um, he's totally a rocky yeah he was it was essentially a, a rocky yeah I was kind of shipping that relationship a little bit myself. I liked seeing him develop as an individual. Yes, he he definitely came more into himself and started developing personality and thoughts and feelings, whereas before he was just this vessel to do Madame Mortimer's bidding. Correct. 
she's she's got this friendship with Booker going, and he's following her all over the manor, keeping her safe. Madame Mortimer. her, yeah, to her new client. Right. She she told her that there was um, a surprise client, and she didn't have to take him if she wanted to. He was down below the manor in the grotto. Yeah, he was a a drop in. He's not a regular, but he's in town and needs a fix, essentially. Exactly. Esther's like, okay, she's down for it. Why not take on some more? She heads on down. I do feel that there was some foreshadowing and some like ominous character element kind of stuff to yeah. this part. Like she she seemed kind of un add on like an unease. Like Booker, stay with me. It seemed suspicious. It didn't seem like a normal situation. Yeah, and for sure. The energy, like when she gets down into essentially the basement, mm-hmm. you can see that unease set in. She's like, "Hello, like who's here? Is anybody here?" She sees the like water. It's acting kind of weird. So I do believe what she undresses and steps into the water. Right. And yeah, you can you can kind of feel like an uneasy vibe throughout the scene. Very and she, she steps into this water and she starts talking. My name's Esther. Where are you? She can kind of hear this voice beckoning her to come in deeper. Yeah. Little Esther can't swim. No, she can swim. It's Booker that couldn't swim. Oh, you're right. Okay. Yeah. So Esther's going farther in and tentacles started grabbing her, right? No, it was just like um she felt like someone made out of water was like biting and pulling and burning on her like this was like rough rubbing sensation mm-hmm. um, and it was pulling her under the water and drowning her and she's trying to fight against it it feels kind of good some areas but mostly bad and she's calling out for booker when she realizes like hey this is not okay like something is going on right here. yeah she so she figures like, out that something's help, help. going wrong mm-hmm. and so booker runs to her aid but when he gets into the water he sinks. He's made of marble. He can't swim. Right. Um, and thankfully, Ezra was being the sneaky little thief he was. Mm-hmm. He came to her rescue. Then there's like this whole emergency situation where a wraith. What is it? What did they say? A wraith? Yes, it, it was a wraith. So it was it was supposed to be a water demon, but it wasn't. It was a wraith. And it was intent on killing her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had gotten in by the breach in the wards Correct. for the man. And if it weren't for Ezra, Esther would be dead. So that earned Ezra his membership. Right. August paid for it. Yes. He was he was going to get it anyways for saving her life. Exactly. Before Esther got attacked, August and Underwood had planned on taking her to London. And right. she's like, no, 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 I still want to go. Let's go. So they pack her up and they take her to London. And when they get there, they attend a monster theater yes and it's not a normal theater no it is most certainly not a normal theater it turns out that it's like a an erotic theater the plays consist of just various supernatural creatures and they're willing human victims and they're just doing super kinky shit yeah there's even a kraken i believe was it a kraken yes it was they called it some sort of japanese word Yes, yes, that's why. I, I would have just called it a kraken. Oh, for sure. It was a giant octopus or squid? Octopus. This octopus is just water, torture, sex, crazy with, what, five women, I think it was? Yes, so all these women are just jumping into this tank with the giant tentacle monster thing. It's whipping them around and fucking them all over the place. Esther is... clips and... Yes. And with the tentacles wrapped around them, they can't really, like, do anything. So it's got that whole rope play. I can't remember what the word was. Like, bondage? Yeah. Like, the wooden, like people tie everybody up with, like, the fancy knots and stuff. Oh, shibari. Thank you. I, yes. I, I, I love I, shibari. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it has a kind of shibari feel to that. Yes. I, I would agree. Also, you know, harkens to the the Japanese hentai manga shit. Yeah. Well, fun fact is uh, they actually introduced tentacles into Japanese artwork. They ban phallic images. And so that's how they kind of got around that. Yeah, that that's funny. Um, so they, they weren't really into the tentacle monsters. It was just, we can't draw dicks anymore. Yep. Let's use tentacle. We're having some serious like sex history this, this session. We are. I love it. Esther is loving mm-hmm this theater there's various acts there's some werebears and they sock their human 
fuck the shit out of her. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. she's again like hot and heavy, and they're they're doing heavy petting and kind of doing their own thing. They're like, we have another surprise for you. Right, like they're they're all kind of half naked up in their theater box. And yeah. Underwood tells her that the third act is open to volunteers and they were wondering if Esther would be interested. And she's like, absolutely, sign me up. There's definitely a lot of voyeur and exhibition going on because it's yeah. both parts. There's people watching, there's people showing. So it, it really plays on that whole kink there. Dr. Underwood and Esther go up to the stage and he's going to demonstrate his electroshock machine on her. Yes. And it's basically just two metal wands that when they get close, it arcs and it makes a shock. So he starts shocking her on the leg and just kind of all all over her body. And finally culminates with him shocking her right on the clit. And she comes like super hard. I don't know. I've seen the electroshock thing and I don't think I'm about it. I don't I don't know. Like, have you ever played with one of those shocky pens? I mean, I've stuck, like, my finger next to the, like, socket and been, like, zapped, and I did not like that. No, (laughs) no. I'm thinking, like, those prank pens, you know, where you push it and it shocks you. That makes my whole fucking hand go numb. I don't want that anywhere near my vagina. Well, could you imagine, like, being, like, completely numb and then intense sensation? No, awful. I, I don't think I like it. Zero out of 10. Do not recommend. No, no. But Esther, she she digs it. And then Underwood transforms into Mr. Tanner, fucks her on stage. Not only that, she she finally looks at Mr. Tanner and, and professes. And to all of the other monsters that yes. it's possible for a human to genuinely care for and want to be in a relationship with a monster. Right. During that profession of Esther's feelings, we see the villain. We finally get a name for him. Yeah, Bersha. Bersha. We find out that he is a brothel owner in Japan. His clubs are more... Torture, BDSM. Right, sadism kind of stuff going on. And it's not really a very consensual thing. It's like Mm -hmm. a a contract more so. Right. The porn industry. Exactly, exactly. Once you get in, you just keep burying yourself in more debt and you can't get out. Anything more than like a sinister vibe in this encounter. Mm -hmm. He knows me from somewhere. Right. And he's not happy. She's at an unease trying to place it, but she's like, you know what? I'm not going to let this ruin my night. It's whatever. He's just weird. Let's Mm -hmm. move on. They go on about their business and they return back to the manor. Mm -hmm. They have their nightly romp. It's more like every 30 minutes with this girl. Oh my god, I know. I don't know how her vag isn't so sore. For me, having a vagina, how do you... As a vagina owner. Yeah. The rubbage, man. Even for with real, like though. a normal sized penis, if you do it too much, it's gonna be sore and stuff. Yeah. You know, you got a little bit of tenderness going on, but with just these monster cocks, I don't know what the hell. Are they like magicking her vagina or what? Well, funny you should mention that. I do believe that their uh, mom has like a special ointment to help with that. Right. But Esther isn't up to that yet. Like she's just taking it. She's yes. like, yeah, boy. Mm-hmm. Get well, up in there. Yes. Then we then we wake up the next morning at Augustie's or August. I don't know. How are we saying his name? August? I would just say August. It's that French, people. August. It, it's French. He's a French vampire, and we're not exactly sure how to pronounce it. Parlez-vous français? I don't. Like a, like a Lestat almost vibe. Actually, not even Lestat. No, actually. The, the guy uh, uh, that made him. Who was uh, Mar- 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 Marcus? Some, it, was it Marcus? It might have been Marcus. Marcus or Mar- Marcellius or... Something. Yeah, it was some and all French, right? Right, yes. Actually, now you mentioned that, but I get heavy Jean-Claude vibes. That um, too, like it's like a, a crossbreeding between the two. Yes. Um, I don't know if anybody out there is familiar with Laurel K. Hamilton's Anita Blake series. It's definitely kind of Jean-Claude-y for me. That's who I just kept picturing, especially with the, the Mondu and Moncur and calling her Ma Petite. I did read some of the Anne Rice Lestat series. Uh, it was not really my thing, but it definitely has like that French vibe to it. Like the mm-hmm. very suave, sophisticated, almost royalty right. vibe. 
Oh, yes. He's definitely part of the aristocratic society. Esther awakens in the morning at his beautiful posh manner, and her and Underwood decide that they're going to go surprise him before he wakes up. Yes. So they go through this labyrinthian maze, steps to get to his like underground lair because he's a vampire, obviously. Right. He takes like super precaution and thankfully Jonathan, Dr. Underwood, is super privy to all of this knowledge. I do believe they hint at um, bro helping bro out. Oh, yes. Yes, they do indeed. So, So we get a little bit of foreshadowing on that. And so I, I do believe that Jonathan and August are both bisexual, at least. Oh, for sure. Definitely get that vibe, especially after they surprise him and wake him up and proceed to kind of threesome it out. Esther's doing her thing, and then Jonathan just kind of like surprise rails him, and he's just, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> mon dieu, yes. we oui, we. Oui. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wasn't prepared for it. It's not that I don't mind it. I just, I was not prepared for that. Honestly, when you see the reverse Harlem kind of scenarios, it's always one girl, lots of guys. It's never the guys grouping up together as well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very sex positive through the whole thing. But I, I do agree. I feel like uh, our friend August deserved a little bit more uh, warning before getting cool. fucked up the ass. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's dead and he doesn't tear. I don't know. Like a little bit more lube than just pussy juice. I don't know. This girl leaks a lot. That's true. That's true. After their fantastic time in London, they head back to Rook's grave and they have a big meeting with the madam and they're talking about how they saw the bad guy at the theater in London. They need to strengthen up the wards. She's like, no, it's not Bersha. It can't be Bersha. It's just Mm -hmm. a, a coincidence. Right, right. She's not wanting to accept it. They also get into the the safety of Esther. Is she really safe at the manor? Maybe we should move her. And Amon's really pushing for her to go to his new house. It's not mm-hmm. too far away. She's like, no, my home is here. Well, and she doesn't want to just be with Amon. She wants everybody. Yeah. And Amon's very yeah, protective. And she makes it very clear. She's like, I don't belong to you. Mm-hmm. I don't belong to anyone and I am choosing all of you equally and you right. need to understand that. Absolutely. So she's she's definitely standing up for herself. And again, it's it's kind of hard to coincide this with the time period, but it is refreshing to see the sex yeah. positivity. Well, that's the beauty of fantasy. Definitely. Our next big thing that we see after their meeting is Esther and Ezra stumbling upon Mary entertaining one of the village boys. Yes. Esther is kind of wanting to keep it hush-hush, but Mary's not very nice. Oh, Mary's not very nice. She's not happy to be at the manor. She is one of the ladies that just wants her gentleman to buy her gift. It's a very, like, I'm a prostitute. I have no attachments to you. It's not a connection. I did your service. Now get away from me. Don't touch me. Don't look at Mm -hmm. me. Yep. That's it. Yeah, pay me now. Um, and she, she's extending her services to the villagers as well as the monsters. Yes. Ezra has been hired as the snoop for Mistress so that way she can figure out what is going on with the manor. Exactly. Ezra kind of hints that he's going to tattle on Mary and we're kind of left wondering what's going to go on with that. Yeah. But in the meantime, Esther's then, finally... She's allowed to attend one of the downstairs parties. Yes. Is this before or after Brooker ends up attacking? Before. Okay. So she ends up attending the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are just lots of couples doing their thing in all the dark, secluded corners. So they find a lush little spot of their own. How many suitors did she have that evening? She, she went downstairs with August and Booker. Ezra surprised her once they got downstairs to the party. Right. So Ezra surprises her. I believe they used the mirror in this instance. They propped up the mirror and Esther was able to see herself like she wanted to. But we find out. I think that was when Ezra, he went to her bedroom and surprised her with being solid, being able to see her. And that's when they used the mirror. Perhaps. I have it in my notes that they used the mirror. Maybe. But I do know that they used the mirror when he went to her room and 
started loving on her. She's like, whoa, who are you? And he's like, it's just me. And yeah. Wait, what? Because she could see him. Mistress had used some magic to help him. As long as he's focused, he can appear. They follow. As, mm-hmm. follow. Right. Okay. Yeah, you're right. They they did use it there. But also, once they were downstairs, it seems that uh, August is a kinky old French perv. And he's arranged for Ezra to surprise her in front of everybody. I believe he's eating her out. And she's just begging for some dick. So Booker comes over. She starts giving him head, right? Yes. And he's got an interesting penis. He does indeed. It's it's like sculpted with ridges and twirlies and tapered. Yeah, and it's tapered. It, it, yeah. it goes from small to big. Right. So she's like, oh, that makes Wasn't his sucking his dick way better. Also? Yes. I'm thinking kind of offset. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, 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 you have to read it to understand. Definitely, but he, he also has a weird dick. Esther's about it. She likes it. So she's getting eaten out by Ezra. Yes. Giving Booker head. Eventually, August joins in, right? And he yeah, starts fucking her. double stuffed. No, yeah, and then did she start, I can't remember, was she fucking Booker? I think she was having, yes, she was having sex with Booker. Then August comes in behind and she's like, oh, wow, he is big. And so there's no warning. Your butt doesn't work that way. No, you, you definitely can't just jump into anal. It, there's there's work to be done. Time out, lady. We're given false expectations because the booty hole don't like that. No, no. And especially uh, double penetration. Like that's... God. Oh. That's stretchy. That that's a lot of stretching for being like two uh, well hung men. Yeah, men, that just seems dangerous. Like, I agree. I like- I'm not sure if it's body safe, but Esther has a magic vagina and ass and handles it like a champ. Loves it. Begs for more. Mm-hmm. And, and during this is- time, Mary and her gentlemen are there. She's we disgusted. Have a little bit of sympathy for her gentleman, I think, because he's looking at Mary with longing, looking at Esther with longing, and Mary's just like, "You don't touch me." What does she do? Give him a hand job and then leave? Yes, pretty much. And, and she only gave so him the handy so he'd stop looking at Esther. Why is she? I don't understand. Why are you jealous if you don't want him to look at you either? It's, yeah, I I think that Mary's just kind of a bitch. She's the Karen of this. Uh, book right you know another thing that i appreciate about the the group sex scenes is that it's not like pornography where it's all focused on the men coming it's more female centered it's more about esther and her pleasure the men working together to bring her that pleasure versus just shoving their dicks everywhere yeah there is that positive masculinity where the men are working together Mm -hmm. for exactly life good luck (laughs) Yeah, we need to talk to them about a little bit of, you know, warming up the butt. Yeah, although if, if it were the other way around with, like, Booker being the back man, I think it would have worked a little better because, like, the marble isn't porous, whereas, like, they better lubricated, I think. You know what? And with the taper, the taper would probably make that easier because if you look at, um, like, beads or anything, you start out with the smaller and they get larger as the string goes down. Yeah, it's definitely something you work into, not something you just are like, hey. Like, like boom, there it is, baby. <laughs> After the experience downstairs, Amon pays another visit, correct? Um, I do believe so. He's still trying to convince Esther at this point to, to come live with him, right? Yeah. And and she's very um much against it, but he's actually like, I, I believe this is where Amon finally the makes an effort. That. Right? Yeah. He, he makes an effort and he goes, okay, I, I understand that I'm not the only man in your life and these other men are going to be involved. So I would like you all to come have dinner at my place. Yes, we have to talk about the situation with Booker because Booker oh, you're right. the tradition of waking her up by fingering her and giving her an orgasm. Right. I mean, who wouldn't love and that? turned out that Booker had been possessed. Possessed, thank you. Possessed by Bersha, because he is essentially just a a vessel for bidding. So Bersha used him to try and kill Esther. She was able to communicate with Booker through Bersha's hold and get him to release on his own, which started the Heather being released from the mistress and tethered to Esther. Esther. But Mm -hmm. there was a meeting 
meeting with her all of her suitors to basically inform them. She's like, I'm not giving you a say, but I'm letting you know. Yes, you're right. Okay, yeah. So they, they have that big meeting. That's where Amon is still really pushing. Well, I want to protect you. Yeah. You're my blah, blah, blah. And she said, I'm not anybody's anything. I'm choosing to, to spend my time with all of you. And it, it's kind of like an all or nothing for her. Amon realizes this and he decides to make amends. Honestly, I thought Amon would have dipped out. Yeah, he, he didn't seem like he was all for it. And then all of a sudden, it's like he realizes, well, you know, Esther is so enthusiastic and welcome to the affection that he, he doesn't want to lose that. And he does mention that he sees like a special aura around her that he finds very enticing, right. um, paired with her being a complete nymphomaniac. Mm-hmm. That. She also is just a really charming character, really open to being with a monster. Like most people are like, you know, eh, but exactly. here, you are you and I love you for you. Mm-hmm. Yes. The first all five men sex scene when we get to Amon's house and his yeah, house is like palatial for dinner mm-hmm. to this fantastic palace he has oh, it sounds so beautiful all the plants mm-hmm. and the lighting. it's big and open and airy makes it dangerous for a gust mm-hmm. with his tendency to burst into flame around sunlight, sunlight. yeah so not so safe for him there unfortunately when morning rolls around a gust has to go back to Rook's grave because he has a safe underground area to sleep in there. While he's back at Rook's grave, everybody else is kind of just zonked out because they spent all night having sex. They learn that... Really, despite it being incredibly pornographic, it right. was a really wholesome situation. Absolutely. You know? It was very um, affectionate and cooperative. Like I yeah. said before, it was it was focused on Esther's pleasure a lot more than it was just the men getting off. Yeah, it wasn't her just being used as a flashlight for all five. Exactly. Definitely. Don't get me wrong. She was stuffed all over the place. <laughs> she liked oh, it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that she wasn't just being like dry rammed into a wall, you know? No, they, they spent hours massaging her and rubbing special magic oil into her. Yeah, they, they definitely pampered her and made it super luxurious with treats love and comfort like all of these men are just adoring her and treating her like a woman should be treated and absolutely and they're working together to you know make this work even Amon who is super jealous super I'm just assuming he's kind of a control freak Mm -hmm. that's kind of the cat in his personality you know well yeah I I mean I get it I get it yeah but I think that's kind of what makes him so... He has, like, advanced character development in the story. Like, he starts off as a possessive, snooty, snobby, rich guy. Right. And mm-hmm. he changes him for the better. And she definitely does. It, I didn't like him at first. I don't know if I can get with this character. Eventually, he's, hey, maybe I kind of like this jealousy stuff. Yeah, fucker in front of me. Like, get me going. Because guess what? You're getting it once they're done. Yes. And that kind of was kind of sexy. Like, maybe maybe I don't want to be rammed by five guys in one night. The idea of my partner wants to see me... Enjoying myself. Yes. Yeah. And he's okay with that because that just intensifies his own pleasure. So it's a very, like, reciprocal or reciprocating situation. Absolutely. It's, you know, I always... I've never been involved in a threesome, you know, just throwing that out there. (laughs) I've always uh, kind of worried about the jealousy factor. I really enjoy that in these scenes, there's none of that. There's just cooperation. Yes. A little unrealistic, but super enjoyable. So sex positive. If they're all willing participants, there's no reason. It shouldn't be fun, cooperative, and there shouldn't be any feelings hurt or left out. I guess they were practicing ethical non-monogamy way back then in ye old Victorian monster times. I just remembered like a super fun fact that we forgot. When she did her enrollment at the manor, a little checkbox where she's like, 
oh, magical pregnancy prevention? Hell yeah. Yes, that that's so fantastic. Who would have thought back then girls were washing out sheepskins after one man, you know, getting them ready for the next? Yeah, I do We're reading an old history report where they would take like intestines and just tie a knot at the end. That's going to keep you safe and not pregnant. I just don't want to even think about the yeast infection that would cause. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, let's think during this time, syphilis, absolutely rampant. Just oh, running all over the syphilis, damn place. It was the era of syphilis. Oh, for sure. But not for Esther. She's got magic on her side. And Madam made it so she would have no unwanted pregnancies. Yes. You know, the dynamics of humans and monsters procreating well if we learned anything from the ice planet barbarians the <laughs> paranormal romance realm there's no such thing as no crossbreeding yes true so anyways um they have this fantastic time at amon's unfortunately august has to go back to ground so he heads back to rook's grave and while everyone is kitten piled and passed out in a warm after sex glow we find out that rook's grave got attacked by bersha Yes. It essentially got just burnt to the ground. Yeah. They all noticed that Esther was at kind of just like a antsy mood. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, let's go get him. As they're like getting closer, like the sinking feeling just kind of intensifies. Right. Until she's like, what are those dark gray clouds? Mm-hmm. It's smoke. Oh, shit. What's going on? So they're all rushing as fast as they can to the manor and right. horse and carriage. Yes. Booker and Ezra straight away head into the rubble. They're going to try to go save August and the other vampires that have gone to ground underneath. Any of the girls that are trapped inside, the various gentlemen. Madam's there in her robe, just absolutely beside herself. These are her girls and she's supposed to take care of them and she's failed. Ezra and Booker head in. Booker comes back out without Ezra and he says that he lost them somewhere down there. Right. I know that Amon says to Mistress and Esther to take all of the survivors to Mm -hmm. his manor, get cleaned up and taken care of. Esther goes back to the manor and helps with that. She's like, well, if there's nothing I can do in the rubble, the ruins, Mm -hmm. then maybe I can at least make myself busy here doing what I know what to do. Yes. So she puts her maid uniform back on and gets cleaning. Yeah, she starts pulling bath water, helping the elves. Yes, the, the house elves. Not the like house. Harry Potter, but... Kind of like Harry Potter. Kind of. They're, they look more like the goblins from Harry Potter. I was actually thinking the Bergens from Trolls. Yeah. Right? Yeah, a little bit. Although the house elf for the blacks in Harry Potter, that's mm-hmm. what I was kind of thinking. Oh, creature. Yes. Grumpy little shit. Yeah. So Esther's back at Amon's place. Then his sister shows up. We learn that he has a sister. She's going to help fight back against Bersha and protect the girls, right? Yeah. Doesn't Esther follow? I also believe that she has a thing for Mistress because there's Oh, she definitely does. There's there's some hinting there. Yeah. Amon's sister definitely has a thing for Mistress. And I think it's reciprocated. I do too. She definitely seemed interested because she's... Mm -hmm. Flushing and yes so we get to the big action part of the story and I feel like I was a little disappointed that we waited until the very end of the book to have any sort of action yeah I think that kind of made it feel like a little loosely pieced together I agree when I started the story I thought it was going to be like a basic novella where it's just a bunch of smut you know mm-hmm. like there's no real conflict resolution the conflict resolution in this one definitely left me wanting we get to the conflict. It's at the very end of the book. It's mm-hmm. very, very quick. We rush through this maze because she thinks she hears August calling her. It's Bersha. Of There's course. no surprise there. There was no mystery. It was very straightforward. Mm-hmm. She gets there. She's able to defeat him basically because of Ezra. Ezra really is the hero of this, this story. He is oh, definitely. saving her ass. Constantly with his invisible ass. August is there with Bersha. And Bersha's feasting on a vampire heart. He had had slaughtered the other vampires Mm -hmm. just for fun and food. Yes. We're not really sure what kind of monster Bersha is. I'm thinking like necromancer kind of thing. That's kind of the vibe I was getting too. They say he gets his powers from feasting on other monsters. So it's kind of like the whole... Yeah, I yeah, I, I would definitely agree on on maybe some sort of necromancer. Poor August is pinned down and bleeding out. Ezra had been there hiding 
because he's invisible, kind of has been able to stay under Bersha's radar. He gets behind Esther and kind of clues her in that he's there and he's going to help her. And Esther's able to trick Bersha into yeah, getting close enough. Like gambling and pleading. Don't kill me. You hate me. You want me to suffer. Mm-hmm. Put me in your brothel. Yes. And he's like, you're just gambling your life away. You're pathetic. You deserve to die. And I'm going to take great pleasure in you dying. And, you know, the whole bad guy spiel. Right. Because she's a girl that enjoys sex. She shouldn't give those monsters any affection. He disdains happiness. All he cares about is suffering and death and pain. And that's the only happiness he'll ever find. Mm -hmm. Whatever. He's a real downer. She is given a steak knife. Right, because he's, you know, having his little heart feast. Yes. She ends up stabbing Bersha twice. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But he kind of just, poof, disappears. Right. We're left with, is he dead? Is he not dead? He's definitely not dead, right? Definitely not dead. It's the whole, oh, I'm wounded. Let me disappear, lick my wounds and get strong. Exactly. We haven't heard the last of Bersha. And in fact, there is book two in this series which we haven't read, we are willing to cover if you guys are interested. Back to, you know, our, our ladies of Brooksgrave Manor. They have the big rescue scene. Everybody rushes in. They're so happy to see Esther. August is alive. It's a big reunion. Then Amon, the little bastard, has been holding out this whole time. He gave August the ability to walk in daylight. Right. And he could have done this the whole time. Yeah. He gives August the the gift to walk in the daylight. They head back to Amon's place and it wraps up really nicely. They all decide that until the new Rook's grave is established, they're going to rebuild and his sister is going to stay and protect the madam, the girls at the manor. But they've decided it's time for Esther and them to move on. Yes. A safe place away from Bersha for some reason is, of course, Amon's. Well, it's kind of like a castle in Egypt. Yeah. They go to his, his native land, Cairo, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny because they mentioned that Bersha is also from Egypt, but it's the one place he won't go. Right. So they figured so that was the I'm safest. Kind of speculating, like, I think he eats monsters and things like that. I mental image of, like, kind of back in the day, like the mummy. Okay. Bersha kind of reminds me maybe of the emperor or the, the pharaoh or whatever. Are we talking Brendan Fraser's the mummy? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh. Not Brendan Fraser, but like the bad guy. In the, the sexy mummy. bad that's, guy. That's what Bersha kind of makes me think of. You know what? I can see it. I'm about that. That's like a good it. comparison. Yes. We kind of wrap it up. They're all happy in Egypt. They're enjoying it, themselves. They're mm-hmm. living luxuriously. Ezra is living his best life. Everyone's living their best life. Right. Booker's becoming more personable. He's really starting to, to show his likes and dislikes and just develop a personality. Yeah. He's a very curious person. He wants to travel. And I just love the character development for him. I do too. I, I um, think that they all had a lot of character development. And I wish that they hadn't been so flat at the beginning. I feel like they were kind of flat throughout. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to say that it was a bad book. Because it wasn't a bad book. It was a no. good read. It captivated me. And I finished it. Like, right. if it's not good, I'm not going to finish it. Oh, definitely. But I feel... Like the character development was kind of to save the story versus Mm -hmm. to build the story. I agree in that. In this one, it was mostly porn with a spice of plot in there versus some of the other books we've done where it was more plot with porn in it. Yeah. Going into the book, I didn't read anything about it. I just looked at it, opened it right up. I didn't read anything about it. It was just a suggestion. We put Mm -hmm. it on the list and we went right in. The whole story, like the first 20 chapters, monster spot. At the very end, we have the big bad guy thing, the rescue. Yeah, it it was very rushed. It felt very out of place. Mm -hmm. I would definitely agree on that. And that's not to say that the author isn't talented. I really like a lot of the things she did here, incorporating some of our favorite classic monsters, the Invisible Man, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, Vampire. Yeah, the Sphinx was interesting. I don't really know if I've read a lot of things about Sphinxes. It touched based on like a lot of different kinks. It had a lot of imagination. Mm -hmm. It had a lot of believable fantasy. It did. It's not so off the wall. You're like, that's not even, I can't even picture that in my imagination. Right. So the movie was believable. That made the flow really good. It was a good story 
from start to conflict. Right. The conflict just seemed out of place because the whole story had just been a sex log. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not sure if I would have taken it that direction were I to author something of this sort. I would have, but I would have brought it in sooner. I would have, and I, this is probably just the history nerd in me, would have loved to see more of the setting, not just, hey, this is the Victorian times, and then that's kind of it. There was no, like, description. I would have wanted to learn more. I wouldn't say there's no descriptions. Descriptions are simple Mm -hmm. and rather vague. I like when a story sets up the scenery for me so I can visualize it in my head. Right. Not not just slapping skin in a kind of described room. Yes, exactly. I I like, you know, a rich setting where I can picture it in my head. Yeah. And we are visiting a lot of incredible places. And I wish there were more details. Like, we're going to Egypt. Let's talk about Egypt. Right. The theater, I would have loved to see more of that. Yes. And I do believe that the next book is focused on the theater. So that might be an interesting read further down the line. But I I am curious to see what happens. Right. But as far as Esther and her men, it it definitely wrapped it up. They're happy. They're living their best lives in Egypt. I would be satisfied ending with this one. But I would have no problem continuing on if, you know, reviews were requested. Absolutely. Yes. We're we're open to anything here at Witches and Switches. We are super fans of books. Let's talk spicy scale. I'd say this is definitely like a 4.5 out of 5. I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. It was just for the amount of partners and the different displays of kinks. Like we had some light breath play. We had the tentacles. We had voyeurism, exhibitionism, orgasm denial. There was just a whole bunch of kinks going on here. And I don't think they were handled well. They weren't done awfully. The only gripe I would have would be with the anal scenes. And I feel like you just got to inform people that you need more than some spit. Yeah. Or in their case, like nothing at all. Right? It just don't slide in like that. For me, it felt like it was dragging on. It's not that it was repetitive or like unrealistic. It's just there was so much of it. It, there was so much of it, it just felt like maybe she's dealing with some unresolved trauma with mm-hmm. the amount of sex she's having. Because, like, realistically, maybe women do have appetites like that. I know that, realistically, I'm not one of them, and most of the women I know are not. Right, would definitely so agree. It, felt, it was just constantly sex after sex after sex after sex mm-hmm. with nothing in between. Give me the sex. Okay, fine, cool, whatever. But I want something in between to fill it out. It was very very empty yes that also would be my gripe on it that we got this great action scene at the end but there was nothing in between it was just we're gonna go have sex with booker and now we're gonna be with amon and now we're all together which is great we we love the spice around here but as book readers we want a little bit of story too yeah there has to be substance Mm-hmm. There's a scale of substance and smut. And if you don't have that careful balance, well, then it's just erotica. That's exactly what I felt this story was going to be. I thought it was just a chronicles of erotica for monsters. I yeah. had no idea. There was no warning that there was going to be any kind of action or conflict resolution or anything other than just sex capades. Right. I would totally agree on that. I don't know if that was just us coming in blind or what, but um, as far as readability, I would give it a three. I would say three. I did have a little bit of trouble. I would pick it up and read it and then I would have to sit it down and it, it took me a little bit longer to get through than I normally would. This a book is out of, out, out of a five scale? Three yes, out of, five. out of five. I would give it a okay. three. I agree. A three. It droned on a little for me. I would pick it up and I would start reading it and it's oh more sex okay well I know mm-hmm. what's happening do the right dishes. right exactly yeah so that that's how I felt about that as far as recommending it it was a fun read I would use this as like an intro to like erotica mm-hmm. for us nerdy people who enjoy monsters yeah just interesting things it's not your basic 
you know, romance with like a cowboy or a lawyer or Hallmark, whatever, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So. That's what we're looking for is the, the little niche areas of the romance genre. Yeah. Overall, I would recommend this as a beginner book, mm-hmm. especially to someone who has never really read my or erotica, because this is going to knock their socks off when you're oh, a more sure. experienced reader. This is more, hmm, what's this about? Just kind of check it out versus really enjoying it. I felt like had I read this, this high school this would have been oh, like my favorite book <laughs> absolutely yes like what wow they can do that <laughs> yeah oh my goodness other than that it was it was good so I think we can go ahead and wrap it up our next absolutely. I'm excited for our next one it's going to be around Valentine's Day yeah, we are doing a Cupid-themed book for our next read. I haven't started it yet. I've heard good things, so yes. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm already into it, and it's pretty cute. I think I could definitely use a cute one. After the last two have been really intense survival situations, mm-hmm. I want something a little more lighthearted, so that's what I'm hoping for for this next Yeah, I, w- I want a little fluff, especially around Valentine's Day. Well, who doesn't? Now right? let's go get some chocolates and read this book. Hell yeah, girl. Well, until next time, Moon Magic Mama. And Mommy Zombies. And we'll see you next time. Love you. Mwah. Hey, sexy. Thanks again for joining us this week. If you enjoyed the show, please help us spread the word to all the other dirty little bookworms out there by liking, following, and sharing our content. Find us on Facebook as Witches and Switches Podcast. Also, be sure to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash witches and switches for exclusive content. Links and other fun stuff down in the show notes. Until next time, mwah.